0: Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, the never-ending cycle of recruiting news continued this week with the commitment of three-star guard Xavier Hill and the decommitment of four-star wide receiver Daz Warsham. Let's start with Warsham. Is it absurd to say that the decommitment of an in-state four-star top 300 wide receiver is a net positive for Alabama?
1: Well, I mean, when you have a track record like Alabama's, I mean, there's net positive was five stars decommitting. So, I mean, honestly, it only bodes well for, you know, not our main rivals. And we'll see what happens. You know, we had a three-star last week. We got this kid, a four-star top 300 wide receiver, which we do need a little bit. Staff obviously may see something they don't like.
0: I think big picture, this is a positive. This wide receiver class is crucial for Alabama. It is a need position. We can safely assume at least two receivers will enter the draft early. I've seen Jerry Judy projected as high as the top overall pick in next year's draft. Uh, There is no chance he comes back. Henry Ruggs is a strong possibility as well. I think most would probably expect him to leave. It would not completely blow me away if Devontae Smith considered it at least, if he has a big year. Couple that with the fact that Alabama only signed one receiver in the 2019 class with John Mechie. They need to hit on receivers in the 2020 class.
1: Yeah, you know, they got to keep the streak alive that they have going for the last, what, (laughs) since they took the job, basically. You know, there there was some uh, hit or miss every now and then and some different type of uh, receivers. But honestly, you can go back to 2013 class and to now in terms of getting that, group of receivers every year and then you get this big name every two to three years out of South Florida you know we got some good talent coming back after the season foreshadowing but you know Mechie albeit he was the only yeah that's still one hell of a damn wide receiver signee for last year uh with the future of that kid
0: yeah early indications are good on that signing but look Daz Warsham's a good player He, he is a good prospect in most cycles I think Alabama would be more than happy to have him the truth is, though, if you go down the list, he was the fourth best wide receiver committed to Alabama. And when you, when you look at the remaining targets, he'd be behind the next three or four guys in line as well. Uh, we talked about that, though, Jones-Bell. He has a chance to be the next star at Alabama. Javon Baker just showed out at the Rivals five-star challenge. He is dominating the camp circuit. Uh, From all indications, he's about to move into the top 100. And Treshawn Holden, who we also talked about before, is right on the edge of the top 200. He's a big body, 6'3". He has those St. Francis ties. Now he has the West Coast ties in Harbor City, uh, being teammates with another Alabama target in Jordan Banks. Uh, Warsham's fourth on that list. And I think this decommitment is a positive for Alabama. And ultimately, I think it'll be a positive for Warsham as well.
1: No, I agree. Because I think it's what you're getting at. It's a a beneficial mutual decision in terms of what we can do with that spot or maybe even using another wide receiver to fill that spot. We'll see what happens. Uh, But as well for him in terms of what he wants to do uh, on the field and in what time frame as well. Because I know nobody's scared to come to Alabama because of competition. I mean, they make the field before they're a senior for a reason. But, man, it's tough. I mean, we are losing a lot after this year, presumably. But there is still a lot in the cupboard that's going to be coming in. So I can't blame the kid too much. And I, I'm sure the staff has plenty of backups that they, uh, they got in mind.
0: Yeah, they have a few. He's going to have an easier path to play in times somewhere like Miami, who he's interested in. I know we like to think Alabama is the best place for any top prospect. But some players are better off at different schools. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, we could go down a freaking list of different type of players, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, and look, if if we can trade the wide receivers we've gotten this decade alone from the Miami area and let them come get this one, oh, that's that's a hell of a steal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know it's a different position in a different situation. I always go back to the recruitment of Quan Alexander. Alabama offered him a gray shirt pretty late in the cycle. He was a lot smaller than what Nick Saban liked at inside linebacker. LSU utilized the smaller, faster guys during that time period, and he fit in perfectly there. Now, if you fast, for, fast forward to now, nearly a decade later, you'd have to assume he, he'd, be a, he'd be a top target for Nick Saban. But at that time, I think that he did himself a favor by going elsewhere. I think Daz Warsham is probably doing himself a favor as well. For sure. As for the addition to the class this week, three-star offensive guard Xavier Hill committed to Alabama. Hill's been a longtime target. He's listed at 6'3", 325. He's from Olive Branch, Mississippi. Brad, he's ranked right inside the top 500. His offer list is pretty impressive. Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, and both of the Mississippi
1: schools. Okay. This kid is a walking narrative buster right now. (laughs) How in the hell is he got those offers, and he's a barely fringe top 500 player in the country? He's got one hell of a jump coming soon, or maybe what they say is not true.
0: Uh, Yeah, the Bama
1: bump. Yeah, you get the Bama bump. But, hell, you got LSU, Auburn, East Arkansas. I mean, come on. That's easily top 300.
0: Yeah, but, you know, he may not have a chance in the near future to get a big bump. But I think he's injured right now. So he's not doing any camps or anything like that, and nobody's really able to get a look at him. So some people think Alabama's kind of kind of gambling
1: here. Nick Saban's gambled on a lot of players at his time at the capstone. And more often than not, it's paid off. I'll, I'll say this. Alabama
0: took an elite class on the offensive line in 2019. The 2020 class is not the norm on the oh, offensive hell line. No. If if you look at it strictly by by rankings and stars, it is not the norm. They have three total commitments, and they are three of the four lowest ranked players in Alabama's class.
1: You want to see an anomaly? Go back two years ago. Look at Georgia's O line class. Look at Bama's last year. None of that should be the expectation every year because those are just some of the greatest offensive line hauls ever. Yeah. So, and if you weren't mad about a three-star leaving ah, eh, we don't need him. I hope you didn't celebrate too much of uh, Xavier coming to town this week. <laughs>
0: Look, there, there are only one or two tackles left out there that Alabama would even accept a commitment from right now. So it looks like they could be content with those three and, and let's, Let's assume it stays at three, Brad. I, I want to do my best here to maybe not make it seem like I'm taking a shot at any of the commitments. Uh, obviously, like, we both hope the entire list turns into All-Americans. But let's assume it stays at three. All three of which, kind of they look like they're, they're projects to an extent. Mm-hmm. Does this offensive line class get recruited over in the 2021 and 2022 cycle?
1: Probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it
0: would not shock me.
1: No, yeah, you you always have to keep moving forward. You can't live in the moment. With, you know, with where you're at, what you have. So you got to plan for all type of situations too, as well. You got to. I mean, at the end of the day, you just have to. It, if we learned anything from two years ago, depth is the biggest attribute you can have. <laughs> so, so I'm just saying, last place we don't need depth, or we need to have depth that is offensive line. So.
0: Uh, And I think that if they stay at three and they're three kind of lower ranked guys, if they stay sort of in the same spot as where they are right now, that's going to be used by Nick Saban and staff next cycle. They're going to go into a five-star offensive tackles uh, living room and they're going to say, "Hey, look, this is the class we signed last year. We don't we don't even have a tackle really."
1: Yeah, I see what you're doing there. Yeah, no, I mean that's smart.
0: Yeah, we have maybe two guys that we think are guards, and then one that can kind of you know. Play wherever you could probably play center guard, maybe tackle, but you know you're walking into a situation where there's that one year gap.
1: Yeah, but like we said before, you know, almost every single year, especially over the last seven eight years, I bet on average every year three out of the five starters, or maybe even five out of the the ten rotation, are three stars. Yeah, I mean, we if we have any type of proven development track record under Nick Saban. It has been the offensive line more than anything else consistently with lower, quote, nationally ranked talent.
0: 100%. You go back to, like, Ryan Kelly. Uh, I mean, Ohio State had no interest whatsoever nope. in, in, Ohio, in uh, Ryan Kelly. He was in their backyard. I remember reading that the Ohio State staff was confused as to why Alabama wanted <laughs> Ryan Kelly. <laughs> well, n- yeah, we know now, right? He's probably the best center in the NFL. If, yeah, well, if they... not the best, one of the best.
1: Well now if they still wanna know, they can go over east and uh, go to Indiana and go watch a game, so Yeah.
0: yeah. Chance chance Warmack was pretty or good. Oh no, excuse too, right? me, go west.
1: I'm terrible at directions because yeah, uh screw the north. Uh,
0: <laughs> the other east. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Chance Warmack was pretty good too, right?
1: Oh well yeah, Three, absolutely. Yeah. Um Three a guy star. named I think Bear Jones was four on some he was, when, when he was yeah. coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I don't know, Ross Pierce Baker. I mean completely under offered coming out. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Bradley Bozeman, he went to high school in Roanoke, Alabama, 20 minutes from where I grew up as a kid. You know, I mean, that he was a three-star coming off an injury. Um, we can go back. You've always got those predominant players, those tackles, you know, DJ Fluker. But, I mean, look at Vallejos. Let's go back that far. I mean, look what you can do if you get the right people surrounding. And we've gone through several different offensive line coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, now we have Kyle Flood there. So let's see – what Rutgers can give us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not going to hold up too much hopes for that. But, you know, if anything, though, it's shown its, its consistency. And, and like I said, Alabama under Nick Saban has never developed consistent lower end talent or ta- I would say talent, period, more than they have offensive linemen.
0: Yeah. Uh, even one that popped in my head, too, was Austin Shepard. Austin Shepard was a pretty low three star player. And he didn't set the world on fire at Alabama by any means, but I think when he signed, there's not a lot of people that would have told you that they they think that he's going to end up starting and having a uh, short career in the NFL,
1: yeah, but still a damn consistent
0: mm-hmm.
1: inside guard NCAA football career, so which is something Alabama has not had the luxury of having, I don't know a couple five years. <laughs> so if yeah if anyone knows a good right guard, three star right guard, hit me up. We need him. <laughs>
0: All right, Brad, before we go into a commercial break, there's something that you wanted to share.
1: Yeah, I wanted to give everybody a heads up. Last year, we had the honor to interview the man himself, uh, Phil Steele. Um, If you don't know, which, my God, how are you listening to a college football podcast if uh, you don't know? But his magazine came out this week. It's available in stores nationwide, or if you pre-ordered it, which if you did, I owe you a beer because you're a good person. Now, We're going to have Phil back on in July, and we want to go ahead and throw this out there. That way you guys can start formulating any type of questions or things you'd like us to ask Phil. Uh, Phil was incredible last year in terms of the knowledge and the insight and the time he gave us and went back and listened to the episode last year. He was right on a lot of things. I got to say, he even predicted Notre Dame to go undefeated and make the playoff. Guess what happened outside of the Clemson game? They went undefeated, and they made the playoff. So really going to look forward to talking to him again. I mean, he is a legend. I fangirled a little bit last year. Definitely going to do the same this year. Got any questions, though, any topics you'd like to hear? Definitely start thinking about that. Let us know in the comments. We can't wait to talk to Phil coming in July.
0: All right, Brad. The NCAA tightened its transfer waiver guidelines this week. It seems like they're trying to pump the brakes a little bit on free agency, right? I, I doubt we're going to see any more Tate Martell or Justin Fields situations where essentially a player transfers so they can start somewhere else and, and they're granted immediate eligibility.
1: Hmm. You ever seen those uh, YouTube videos of compilations of wrecks and bad wrecks and how you just watch people breaking you know, after it's too late? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's this. Uh, good luck. That's what I say to that. It is pretty tongue-in-cheek uh, for them to change different little rules because. They do that all the time, but they still don't follow it. So what are you doing this for other than something in the public eye? But what they tried to make us believe they have now done, because we've seen the track record so far this year, of who they've approved and who they've denied, and obviously it's been way backwards of what it should have been. But right now they've adjusted their guidelines, and they're saying there's four types of waiver requests that uh, should be the main type of request. Number one is athletes who no longer have an opportunity to play at their school that they started at. The second one is athletes who's victims of egregious behavior that impacts their health and well-being. The third one is athletes who transfer because of a recent injury or illness to an immediate family member. Shout out to Twitter for making that one happen. Multiple times there was cases that should have happened but didn't. But Tate Martell's down in Miami getting his nails done. I digress. Um, And then the final one is athletes that are wanting to be closer to home because of their own injury or illness, including mental health related issues. So it sounds good on paper, but with the NCAA, we all know it don't mean nothing until they prove it. And their track record shows they're going to prove they're going to do one thing and then they're going to do the other. But we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think all of us just want consistency, whatever that may be. We just want it to be consistent. And the well, bat- they're consistently
1: all over the place, if that counts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They're consistently inconsistent. But the bad news is that this could affect Alabama basketball, right?
1: Mm-hmm. With
0: Javon Quinterly's uh, waiver. Basically, and Nate Oates was quoted as saying he thinks Quinterly has a good case. I mean, of, co- of course he does. But uh, Alabama's compliance department thinks he has a good case as well. It's going to be interesting to see how the NCAA handles this he was basically dealing with accusations in the FBI case that ended up not being true as it pertained to him. Basically, someone lied, and their angle was that it it affected his freshman season at Villanova. Even Jay Wright and Villanova are supporting Javon Quinterly's waiver. So this is probably uncharted waters for the NCAA. Now, if we go down that list of four things that, that you named, we can automatically eliminate three of those, right?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Now, what was number 2? What was the second one you said?
1: So, the second one was athletes who are victims of egregious behavior that impacts their health and well-being.
0: Okay, egregious behavior, I think would be lying at the expense of a student oh, yeah. athlete, especially in the middle of an FBI case, right? Mhm. I would say that I mean, their angle is that it affect his it affected his well-being.
1: I mean, mental health is physical health, so
0: True. So, I think, based on those guidelines, you know, unless that they don't interpret it as mental health, maybe that they mean you literally have to be injured because somebody did something that they should not have done, that I think Javon Quinterly's might fall under that guideline.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned now with this adjustment to the guidelines slash rules than I was before this. Um, And it's because, like you said, uh, it's uncharted water. And never in history has something been more all over the place in uncharted water than the damn NCAA on a decision for the first time with something. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting with JQ. And I I just, I don't know. I've kind of tapered my expectations. But, I mean, it is Alabama. There is the wreck. (laughs) And all I'm saying is, Every avenue will be exhausted. Let's just leave it that way.
0: If Javon Quinterly's waiver is granted, do your expectations for this season change?
1: I mean, the ceiling and my expectations are pretty damn close as it is, so how much farther can I go? <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, absolutely. How, how can it not? Yeah. I mean, the dude's been lighting it up at practice since he's gotten there. I mean, it's freaking unreal the talent he has – and how perfect he's going to fit with the surrounding cast within this system. And especially if he can make eight out of every ten free throws, too. I mean, just picture that. I mean, that alone should sell you on this potential and expectations being risen. Uh,
0: my expectations are, are pretty simple either way, and it's make the NCAA tournament. So well, if, you, if you the waiver's granted to me, that's even more reason to make the dance. That, that drops the, the wiggle room for, for any excuse to not make it.
1: Well, yeah, and you had a tweet the other day that I I really did like. You know, Nate Oates was talking about on the SEC teleconference that, you know, I like our talent. It's great that Kyra Lewis is playing on the USA under-19 team. Mm -hmm. We've got talent to go around them. You know, and you made a great point. A lot of first-year coaches underplay talent on their roster that they inherit, even if there is talent to win. But you said Nate Oates inherited a talented roster. He's added talent to it and isn't trying to undersell it he knows he should win in year 1 and isn't shy about it. And I mean it's, it's great and it's yeah. it's a perfect summary of who he is since he's gotten there.
0: Yeah, I will say this. If he fails in year 1, it's going to be a really really bad look for him based on all of these comments and quotes.
1: For sure. He's going
0: <laughs> It's gonna he's going to look really bad.
1: In. And can we talk about too like Greg's the ninja. RAD is the ninja. But damn, if Nate is not a damn little he's, – he's a little ninja, so to speak, in terms of throwing some shade. Like, he'll sneak it on in there, man, without you even knowing it. you got to process it for a second.
0: And it, it's fun. It is. It's fun. Right now it's fun. If he does not live up to expectations in year one, whew, those quotes are going to come back fast.
1: Well, right now, if he keeps this up, though, over this off season, yeah. I am going to go down with my captain on that ship. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, the thing is, is that I-, I think if you ask him, or if if you were to dive into the mind of Nate Oates, the thought of him <laughs> failing in year one is not. It's not even. It doesn't even exist. No. You know, like he can't even fathom failing in year one. Like he knows the roster that he has. He's kind of talking big about it, and to to him. He's going to come in and he's going to make the tournament year one because he has the roster to do that.
1: Uh, again, I have nothing but respect for my president. <laughs> All right. This has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.